You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. Good morning, CHCC family. I hope that you had a great week. A few months ago, I was driving and I came to a four-way stop and I go to take off and then the car behind me takes off and passes me and then cuts me off. And at that moment, I had that kind of rush of adrenaline. And so I honk my horn and let them know that God loves them. And I tailgated them a little bit and just wanted to say a special prayer for them. In reality, I was pretty frustrated for some reason. And we, and the thing is, it wasn't even that big of a distance from the stop sign to the stop light. And I get behind them at the stop light and they put, they had the nerve, they put their hand out and told me I was the best minister in the world. Can you believe that? And so that made me even more angry. And then they cut across into this parking lot. And, and I, I felt myself just getting worked up. And, and we're driving away, I'm like, why am I so angry about someone cutting me off? Uh, wh- why, am I, why am I letting this bother me? Why, why did I honk my horn? I mean, why did I tailgate them? Why, why did I do that? I mean, that's just crazy. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why do you do what you do? I mean, why do you lash out at people from time to time? Why do you say some of the things that you say? Why do you gossip? Why do you worry about the things that you worry about? Why do you post some of the things on social media that you do? Well, over today and over the next several weeks, I want you to kind of ponder that question. I want you to chew on that. Why do you do what you do? I don't think most people wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to make a train wreck of my life. I want to just wake up and I just want to blow my life up. I want to compromise my integrity. I want to self-sabotage. I want to push everyone away. I just want to blow up my life. But when we look at it, even though people don't want to do that, I think there's a reason why that happens. And I think it's because there's a thing beneath the thing. I think Paul can relate to us. He can understand that we have this struggle. Uh, why do we do what we do? He says in Romans 7, verse 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I, I do not do. And what I hate to do, or what I hate, I do. And verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. Uh, about a year ago or so, I read a book called The Thing Beneath the Thing. What's hidden inside and what God wants to help us do about it by Steve Carter. And it was one of those books that just was convicting, that really just, that I've been chewing on for some time. And, and that's, our, that's our series uh, for the next several weeks, is the thing beneath the thing. And I'm going to ask that you journey with us on this. We're going to be using this book as a guide. And, and as we, I want you to ask that question, why do I do what I do. And it's going to be uncomfortable from time to time. But I'm going to ask that you journey with us as we look at some of the masks that we put on uh, to hide the thing beneath the thing. Uh, as we go to hide that thing beneath the thing, uh, I'm going to ask that you journey with me and to examine your heart. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Esther chapter 3. 
Esther chapter 3. We're actually going to start at the end of the book and then go backwards. Uh, Esther chapter 3, starting at verse 15. And the king, at the king's command, the decree went out by swift messengers. And it was also proclaimed to the fortress of Susa. Then the king and Haman, Haman is the king's right-hand man, sat down to drink. But the city of Susa fell in confusion. If you're a person who highlights their Bible, I want you to go ahead and highlight. The city of Susa fell into confusion. The city was wondering, what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? And sometimes your kids probably wonder, what in the world is going on? They come in and they say maybe like two words and you just start screaming at them or you say something to them that's not very nice. And they go to the room and they're like, what did I do? I mean, why is mom and dad mad at me? Maybe the same thing has happened with your spouse. I mean, you meet up and all of a sudden one of you lashes out and you're like, man, I didn't even say anything. Where, where's this coming from? Your spouse is confused and trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Maybe you feel that way in your job. The decisions that your boss is making or your company is making and you're just confused. You just don't get it. Maybe it's politicians. You're like, why are those politicians making the decisions that they're making? Why are they saying the things that they're saying? I think a lot of us kind of fall into that category. Sometimes it's your friends. You're just, your friends are making decisions or saying certain things and like, I just don't get where they're coming from. Well, we, when, when we look at the thing beneath the thing, when we don't deal with the thing beneath the thing, it leads people puzzled and confused. It, it, it leads people wondering, what in the world's going on? Why is this happening? When we go back to the story, we see why the city was confused. Verse 13, dispatchers were sent by swift messengers into all the providences of the empire giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed and slaughtered and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year, and the property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. So the city was confused because there's a massive genocide that has been decreed. Every single person is supposed to be destroyed that's a Jew, and, and they're not wondering what in the world is going on. And why would this have happened? Why would a massive genocide been decreed? You, you look in verse 8. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered throughout the providences of your empire and they keep, who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different than, than those of any other people. And they refuse to obey the laws of the king. And so it is not in the king's interest to let, let them live. If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they will be destroyed, and I'll give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited to the royal treasury. So Haman basically says, you know what? I want this race of people dead, and I'm willing to bankroll. I'm willing to bankroll a genocide. And the king agrees to it. And so why would uh, Haman do this? Why would he be willing to, to bankroll this? Well, we look at the beginning uh, of the chapter and it says, sometimes later, uh, King Xerxes promoted Haman and this is how he became his right-hand man. And in verse two, it says, all the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect and where, wherever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but Mordecai refused 
to bow down and show him respect. So everyone else was bowing down. Mordecai refused to bow down and show him respect. Verse 5, when Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, and so he decided it was not enough just to lay hands on Mordecai alone, but instead he looked for a way to destroy all of the Jews the entire, in the entire empire of uh, Xerxes. And so why was a genocide ordered or decreed? Because Mordecai didn't bow down and praise and respect Haman enough. And Haman says, it's not enough just to harm you, Mordecai. I'm going to destroy your whole race. You have to wonder what took place in Haman's life that would lead him to such a drastic response of not just harming Mordecai, but a whole race of people. You have to think, man, what happened to you? It happened to him that would lead to him having that much hatred, that much anger. I mean, being out wanting to do something like that. Now, let me get a little vulnerable with you. I, I many, many years ago, there was something that took place in my life where someone was just very, very disrespectful to me. They, they treated me like the hey boy. They, they treated me like I was nothing. Uh, like I was just... I mean, I was worthless. And, and to this very day, I sometimes have to deal with those feelings. When people are disrespectful to me, uh, I can remember that, that time that I was treated th this way. Early on in ministry, when I was a children's minister and a youth minister, uh, sometimes I would visit with people and they, said, they would tell me, well, when do I get a chance to talk to the, the, to the senior minister, the, the real minister? Or I would go on a hospital visit and I'd go visit someone and they're like, well, when's the, when's the senior minister going to come? And, and there was some frustration that would build up in me. I'm like, well, what am I, chopped liver? I, I'm not good enough? And, and I realized that a lot of those feelings would come back to some of the childhood trauma that I'd went through. Some of the, those feelings would pop up into my, uh, into my mind and into my heart. Uh, in my marriage, there's been times that Julie has said something or did something and it felt very disrespectful. And she wasn't trying to intentionally do this, but for me, it kind of hit one of those landmines. Uh, it brought me back to a place in my life and I, and I felt like uh, she was being, uh, that she was intentionally hurting me and we've had to work through some of those discussions because I realized I bring some luggage into our relationship. Steve Carter in his book tells how his counselor told him, if you get hysterical about something, it's historical. Let me say that again. If you get hysterical about something, it's historical. If you ever find yourself ramping up in anger or sadness, chances are there's something that has taken place in your history. Something maybe in your childhood or somewhere, sometime in your life, that if you begin to feel those emotions, Chances are there's something in the past that's causing you to act this way. And if you don't deal with it, then we begin to tell ourselves false stories. We begin to think that everyone's against us, that everyone wants to disrespect us, that everyone, that all, everyone in the church is evil, everyone in the church doesn't love me, or we just begin to tell ourselves these false stories. But Jesus, he comes to lead us to freedom. He doesn't want us to be chained to the past. He doesn't want us to be chained to these events that causes us to act out and uh, for some of our anger and our sadness and our emotions to come out sideways on other people. 
Here at CHCC, uh, we want to be a safe place for you to discover the thing beneath the thing. And for several of us, we have several things beneath the thing. We wanted you to realize it's okay not to be okay. We say that a lot here. But we also want you to have the courage to deal with the things beneath the thing. We want you to realize that we are here, that you're not alone. That you have people who are willing to listen, who are willing to pray with you, who are willing to cry with you, who are willing to help you dig in and try to figure out what's going on in your life. We want you to know that you are not alone, that we love you and we care about you. You have pastors, you have elders. We like to say that we're one big family here, and we mean that. We're imperfect and we mess up, but we are one big family here. And as a family, we want to be here for each other as we dig in and we try to figure out the thing beneath the thing. So I want to leave you with two thoughts. First of all, next time you wonder why you do what you do, instead of sweeping it underneath the rug, Take time to ask God to give you understanding. Why am I acting this way? Is it because I have pride in my life that I need to deal with? Is it because I'm stressed out and I've got some different things going on? Is it my insecurity? Is it greed? Begin to ask yourself, do some self-discovery and ask, why am I acting the way that I'm acting? Secondly, God wants to help you deal with what's hidden inside. He doesn't want you to be chained to the past. He doesn't want you to be chained to that thing beneath the thing. You don't have to do this alone. Many times we feel like, oh, I need to fix myself. And God says, no, let me transform you. Let me lead your life. Let his spirit be your counselor. Let him be his guide. Let him be your guide. Surround yourself with some Christian people that can help you in this process. 